You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the US, and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way, because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Before we get started, I want to invite you to a free webinar I'm hosting on December 18th at 1 p.m. that's all about implementing Profit First in a group practice. If you're thinking about implementing Profit First, if you've been kind of implementing Profit First, or if you're just interested in learning about it, I invite you to join me. We will talk all about the basics of implementation. We'll talk about the current allocations, target allocations, we'll run through an instant assessment example, and we'll talk all about implementing Profit First in your group practice and how to troubleshoot it when things aren't going quite right. We'll also have time for a Q&A session. So if you would like to join me, go to therapyforyourmoney.com slash Profit First to register for this free webinar on December 18th. Hello everyone, welcome back to Therapy for Your Money. Today we are talking about Profit First with the man himself, Mike Michalowicz. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Julie, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, so you are the author, obviously, of Profit First and many, many other of my, some of my favorite business books, Fix This Next, Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, well, that's the intention. I, I'm actually writing another book right now as we speak. It's due to my publisher this month. And um, it's about marketing. So yeah, the, the list goes on and on and I will continue to make it go on and on. <laughs> to add to the list. There yeah. you go. My, my therapist, by the way, uh, diagnosed me and she said, oh, I think you have hypomania. And I do, which is uh, someone who just cannot stop doing. Like I get, I get very <laughs> uncomfortable being static. And she's like, oh, that, that's hypomania for sure. So I, I own that term now. I'm a hypomaniac. Well, if the result of that means that we keep getting these great business books, I Bring think it, right? there's a greater good out there. There is. It's tough for my family when they want to sit down and watch a movie. Like 15 <laughs> minutes into it, I just like, I, I'm like, I start shaking. I'm like, do we have to watch this much, that much longer? Unless it's Terminator 2. For whatever reason, that movie, I can see the whole way through without moving an inch. But that's a that's an interesting little tidbit about you. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, I've heard you say so many times that your mission in life is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Yeah. I'm curious, how did you find that path? So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've discovered, coincidentally, through a therapist I, who is who I was interviewing for how we make decisions and choose pathways, and she explained that there's a common scenario where. There's these big T's, little T's, and C's. Big T's are big trauma events that she goes, can become a defining moment where we say, I will never allow that to happen to myself or anyone else again. Small T's are drip traumas. You get picked on in grade school or high school or your parents raise you poorly or whatever. And it, it results in a stance. And the C, she says, the childhood dream, this, this unfulfilled yearning. And you make that moment saying, I am going to do this. For me, it was, it was a trauma around finances. I, I had grown a couple companies. I sold them. I thought I was a hot potato and uh, I just thought so much of myself. Well, my next company, I was a disaster. I lost everything. It was painful, but also necessary to hopefully tear out that arrogance. And uh, it also woke me to, I really didn't understand finances or managing time or, or so many elements of what 
entrepreneurs thirst. You know, we start a business to be of service to others, uh, to experience financial freedom, to, um, to experience time freedom, personal freedom, to do what we want when we want. But for myself and so many people, that never manifests. And that's when it became clear to me through my trauma that I must fix this for me and others. So every book I've written, admittedly, in, in a big way is actually serving my own needs. I'm trying to figure out solutions for the, my own challenges, things I don't understand. And that's eradicating entrepreneurial poverty collectively as a term I came up with. Well, I, um, I'm thankful for that. So tell us about the basic pro- principles of Profit First, because I've implemented it in my business. We, my team and I, we are Profit First professionals. We help a lot of um, practice owners implement it. But for someone who's never heard of Profit First, can you give us the the, the broad lines. Yeah. I'll start off with a pretty kind of uh, eye-opening um, uh, summary I heard from, I can't remember who said this, but this guy was talking to me, he goes, you know, when one person says something stupid, um, it's stupid. When 50,000 <laughs> people say it, it's still stupid. Like the quantity of people saying something doesn't make something unstupid. Um, and we've been told relentlessly, regardless of your business training, if you had any, or if you're just it's business exposure or books you've read, or just talking with friends, that sales minus expenses equals profit. We repeat it over and over again. And uh, I'm here to say that's stupid. Not that it's not logical. I understand for our business to make money, you have to have sales, you incur expenses to support your business and what's left over is profit. It's a logical equation. Here's the stupid part. When profit comes last, it is our behavior to consider it last. That's true for any consideration. So if I say, you know what, I don't care about my health, that, that means I'm putting it last or, you know, I don't like those people. I, I put them last on my list. Last is something you delay or avoid. And profit has now entered the, the vernacular we use. We call it the bottom line, the year end. All these things say, consider profit at some future point. And therefore it never happens. It's the perpetual manana syndrome. So in profit first, we flip the formula it's sales minus profit equals expenses. And what I mean in execution is every time revenue comes in to your practice, you know, a patient pays their bill, the insurance company submits that claim, and makes a payment on it. You subtract a predetermined percentage as profit. You hide it away from your business and you run your business off the remainder. This is the pay yourself first principle applied to business. Effectively, when you take your profit first, when you allocate that, your business will tell you what's really available to operate the business and we'll adjust accordingly. That's the profit first process. Yeah, and I, I get the question often of, well, if I take the profit first, how will I know there's enough left for everything else? And you use the, um, the toothpaste. Uh, yeah, toothpaste to, analogy, yeah. Yeah, uh, where you say like, you're, you, if you have only a little bit of toothpaste left, you're gonna squeeze that sucker and get everything you can out of it. And it kind of, it, the same principle applies when there's less money left for expenses, you're gonna figure out how to w- make it work with less, right? Yeah. So there was this, I think he was a behavioralist named Parkinson. North, Northcote Parkinson was his name. And this guy is from like the fifties or something when Northcote was a popular name, apparently. And he's studying human behavior. It was really around time utilization, but it translates to all resources. What he explained is that if you say you and I are negotiating a contract and you say, Mike, I'd like to get a contract from you. And I say, I'll get to you in one week the times be def- been defined. It will likely take me a week to get the contract to you. 
But if you and I, the same people discuss the same parameters for the same contract, but the variable change is the amount of time. And I say, I'll get to you in one day. I'll likely get to you in one day. What North Dakota Parkinson explained is as time gets compressed, we become more efficient in its utilization. That's why, you know, back in the college days, most people are like, I'm so good at cramming because everyone's good at cramming. <laughs> when there's less time, there's this anxiousness to, to get things done. But it isn't just around time. It's around money. It's around any resource. What's so interesting, and you'll see this in your business, as more money flows into your business, as you increase revenue, it seems like almost uncannily the expenses are increasing at the exact same rate. Like there's some yeah. superior force monitoring your bills and uh, or your income and then dropping bills in your pocket just so that income comes in. Well, the superior force is Parkinson's law, this behavior to extract or use all the resources available to us. So what we do with Profit First is we put you into that college cram mode. We take out your Profit First, hide it away. So now you don't have all the money that's coming into your business available. You have a portion of it, less supply. What Parkinson's research, research advanced was the consideration of innovation. When there's less available of something, we become more innovative. We find shortcuts. We find workarounds. Um, we just become innovative. So the interesting thing is when you have less money, you don't get less results. You find, you know, I need to get new technology. I'll, I'll buy used equipment or there's some business going out of business and they're just giving away their stuff. I'll use used furniture. You, you find that, you know, instead of hiring full-time people, maybe I can bring on part-timers or, or, or outsource to virtual help or something like that. But we find ways to get the same results. Uh, and this isn't just theoretically, I'm very happy, honored, proud to report that we have 350,000, actually more than 350,000 companies that have successfully implemented Profit First. We have thousands and thousands of case studies. And what we see is that none of them say, my gosh, I didn't have enough money to operate my business. They consistently say, wow, I found a new way to operate my business and I'm getting the same or better results. The business doesn't get compromised. Yeah, and I found that um, that's it. there's a higher likelihood of success when there's a gradual start to, to the implementation where it's not all of a sudden I have 0% profit. I'm going to go to 15% tomorrow. That tends to be really hard because that big of a swing is really hard to the operation. But when it's a gradual process, it works like magic. Yeah. Start slow and let it grow. I've got to win our own mindset over to this. When people hear profit first, which is setting up multiple accounts at your bank, you're going to put money in there. The logical resistance, and I get it, is skepticism. People are like, well, listen, if, if $100 comes in and I carve it up into five accounts of $20, it's still $100. Yeah. How's this going to work? I felt that way. I actually did for myself out of desperation. I needed something to fix my own misunderstandings around finances. But it's not a shell game. It's a behavioral system. When we pre-allocate money to its intended use, we then know how to use the money. But if we go into your point full throttle and say, okay, I'm going to start doing this, it is such an abrupt shift to how we used to do things it's very uncomfortable when we fail. It's like if, if, you, you know, if you haven't exercised in 10 years and you say, I'm going to go to the gym again and my first day I'm going to run a marathon on that treadmill, like your legs are going to fall off. <laughs> Don't do yeah, it. It's just Don't not do it. Like, let's, let's learn how to stretch a little bit and go for a, a mile walk at most. We've got to build that muscle and we have to build the mental muscle around profitability. So the successful implementations inevitably We'll start with low profit percentages, whatever their historical profit was, which realistically for many businesses is zero. And they add a little bit. They start allocating one or 2% of the income toward profit. 
But then over time, that 2% becomes five and seven and 15 and 16 and 18. And they grow over time as they become stronger, healthier fiscally. Yeah. And so what do you think what is uh, one of the most misunderstood pieces of profit first? Uh, it's hands down is the concept of, I call it the behavioral intercept, meaning the system needs to be set up where you naturally go at your bank. And so what many people believe is, oh, I'm going to allocate money to these different accounts for different purposes. I'll just do it on a spreadsheet or I'll just do it mm -hmm. my accounting system, which circumvents their natural path. I'll give you an example. Uh, I wanted to exercise. I've always exercised throughout my entire life, but it's been very sporadic, except for the last seven years. Seven years ago, I said, I'm never going to miss again, but how do I do this? So I started observing my own pattern. And what I do is I wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom, go grab a cup of coffee, start reading you know, the internet news, whatever. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm late for work. And I miss yet another workout. Well, when I rewound the steps, I said, I'd wake up in the morning, I go to the bathroom. Oh, I'm going to put my sneakers on top of the toilet seat in the bathroom because <laughs> the only way I can now use the bathroom is by grabbing my sneakers. And when they're in my hand, I'll put them on my feet and it starts the momentum. That is what I call a behavioral intercept. I look at a pattern and I put something that I cannot avoid in the path. And therefore my behavior modifies or the results at least modify without changing who I am. What I found is most business owners are told by accounting professionals read your balance sheet and cash flow statement, and all these overwhelming documents. And what we really do is we log into our bank account and measure what's there. If we have money, we can spend it. If we don't, we panic. Yes. Therefore, if our natural path, if our first step is to go to our bank and log into our bank system, we need this there because now it intercepts us. So these multiple accounts are set up at our bank. We then allocate the money into its different envelopes, or I call them plates, but different categories. And now before you spend a dime, you know what each dime is intended for. It intercepts that path. And I find that the mental barrier too, of just, if there's not enough money in that OPEX account, having to go in and make that transfer from the profit to the OPEX account, that's usually enough to stop someone in their tracks and say, do I really, really need to do this? Because you're basically taking it away from, from yourself. So just adding that one step has a big mental effect. Um, Yes. As well. Yes. It, what's interesting, there's a few things that sound peculiar, but uh, therapists will get it. But, the, you know, the, the common person probably wouldn't. <laughs> the, the most frequent email I get of appreciation or gratitude from readers, and I'm so blessed to get so many, is actually during tax time, which is I never expected that. I, I thought it would be when the profit distributions come out. And people are excited about that because their business is profitable. But it's actually at tax time. They say, oh, my God, I've been allocating taxes per the profit first system. And my company paid my tax bill. I feel such relief. This is amazing. And people are so excited about it. Well, there's a thing called loss aversion. If, if, if you gave me $10 and then you said, here's $10, Mike, oh, uh, you owe me three back. It, it feels great to get the $10. I'm like, I have to return some of this? Like what's going on? And that's the feeling of, of taxes. You know, we collect money and then the government's like, give us a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's my money. But this system circumvents you ever receiving in the first place. So instead of you giving me 10, I give you three back. You just give me seven. Say, here's $7, enjoy it any way you want. Even though the net dollar amount's the same, the fact that there's no return, which causes loss aversion, I feel great. So since the business reserves the taxes on behalf of the business owners and pays taxes directly, it becomes celebratory. So it's just, it's interesting that 
how, uh, how much we run our business numbers off of emotion and behavior, and that's, that's how we humans are, um, yet we think that logic is superior, but we actually just need to cater to our behaviors. That's a great observation. And I, so I would second that. I also thought the um, profit distributions would be most popular, but where we get the most like size of relief for sure, by far tax time, right. where our clients like forgot, you know, we tell them how much they owe. They forgot that they had the tax account. So we tell yeah, them, Hey, yeah. by the way, there's more than enough in your tax account over here. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I forgot that we did that. And it's, oh, and it's been there. They have access to it, obviously, but yeah, but you just don't pay attention. You right? just don't pay it. You stop paying attention. And it's just this thing that's growing. Um, and then if there's extra, then you get a bonus, which is right. amazing too. And that's how it feels like it's a bonus. It's like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting a refund from my business. This is amazing. Right. It's, What's so interesting is when we take out the money in drips. So what happens with, with tax time is often the, oh shit moment. How much do I owe? How am I going to get this? Well, the business now is allocating small portions every time there's a transaction. So you don't feel like you're getting your soul ripped out of you. It's just a little <laughs> small amount of money. You actually don't even miss it. But the money then accumulates on the side. And when that tax bill comes and you, they hear how much they owe, first there's like, I owe, oh my God. And then you hear, but the business has us covered. And there's this immediate relief and excitement. Um, so I wish I wish actually governments would do this too. They would do the profit first system. They would run so much more effectively. I think. Oh my gosh, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be something. Um, so what would you say to a practice owner that that's got a bunch of excuses why profit first won't work for them? Like um, they're too small, or they're growing too fast, yeah. or whatever it may be. So there's a label for that. It's called being a human being. That's <laughs> totally a normal response. I was not a believer myself. Again, I did this out of desperation. I, I had lost all my money. I was in such a bad spot. I started just to test out ideas. The pay yourself first principle I heard about the envelope system from you know the yesteryear. Mm -hmm. So he, here's the most common excuses. Uh, I'm just starting my business. I'm too small. It's too early. It's in fact, the earlier you start, the sooner you start a better behavior. In fact, it's brand new businesses that can be most aggressive with profit first because the sure. business doesn't know better. So it's interesting. New businesses actually are usually most successful. Uh, another common resistance I hear is, well, I'm not profitable now. I have to wait to become profitable before I can take my profit first. And that's not true either. The way to become profitable is to start extracting because what will reveal itself is where you're unnecessarily spending money, where you have more commonly what's called margin problems. You're not charging enough for what you do but you'll never discover that if you're just skating by. Profit First exposes the weaknesses in your business that you need to address. That's why I say Profit First talks to you. When you start taking Profit First, it becomes very apparent where your problems are. And if, if you don't take Profit First, those problems will present themselves usually at the very terminal end of your business. When you're overwhelmed with debt, you have nothing to do that you can do except for shut it down. This forces that hard conversation in before you're ever jeopardized. And then, the other resistance I hear is, well, I don't want to go to the bank. It's a pain in the ass. I'll have to reconcile so much information. Yeah, it's going to be an hour out of your entire life of going to the bank and setting it up. I understand it's kind of a pain for that one day, but the rest of your life will be served. So we just got to get our butt to the bank and get it set up. In, in regards to the reconciliations, we have so many case studies of this. Some people say, but now there's money flowing all over and I'm allocating. It's going to be a reconciliating nightmare. Actually, it makes it more efficient. The vast majority of accounts have just a, a modicum of transfers. We move a little bit here and a little bit there on a periodic basis. So it happens so infrequently, reconciling is very quick. We now have one account, it's called the OPEX account, that has the majority of transactions. And since the OPEX has 
one single purpose to pay the bills for continuity of your business, you know the intended use of that money in advance, it's actually easier to reconcile. Before, when everything goes in, in one, one account, uh, another account, it gets all glommed together. That actually causes more confusion when it comes to reconciling. So that is actually more efficient too. I agree. And it, when everything is in the OPEX account, it's also really easy to see where the money is going, right? Because it's not mixed in a bunch of right. like, personal payments and all that other stuff. And so it's easier to control those expenses too. That's right. Um, okay, Mike, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I ask all my guests, what's your favorite business book that you did not write and why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if mine would be my favorite. That, that sounds very egotistical. I'm proud <laughs> of my books. I think- You should be. Because Profit think, First comes up often in that yeah, list. Yeah. You know, I, I can give you some like kind of generic ones I love. So Purple Cow by Seth Godin. I loved- um, uh, uh, influenced by Robert Saldini. But you know, here's a couple of ones you probably don't haven't heard of that I think are great business books. Uh, there's one called The 10-10-10 Rule by Susie Welsh. Susie Welsh was married to a fellow named Jack Welsh. He was the CEO of GE. He subsequently has passed away. Her book is phenomenal. It is a very simple strategy to manage decision-making. Um, another book you probably never heard of is called 100 Days of Rejection, or maybe it was called Rejection Proof. Actually, it was Rejection Proof by a fellow named Jia Jiang. And he, he set out, he was, he's a very introverted guy, very afraid of rejection. He set out to be rejected at higher and higher levels for 100 days to learn how to build uh, a callousness, if you will, toward rejection. And his, it's his journey. It's fascinating. So those are two books I'd recommend. All right. I will check those out. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time. And uh, if you, everyone, if you have not read it yet, go order Profit First. It's an amazing book. It's going to give you a great uh, framework for running your business. And if you need help with implementing, we'd love to help you as Profit First professionals. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you've never heard about Profit First until today, you might be wondering, how exactly does it work? I mean, of course, I'm going to recommend that you get the book and read it, but I'm gonna give you just a quick overview of the basic mechanics. So as Mike mentioned, with Profit First, you're going to open five bank accounts. The first one is going to be income, all the deposits coming in, your co-pays, check payments, insurance payments, all of that goes into that income account. Then you have profit, and I mentioned that one next because the profit distribution should always come first. Then you have taxes, you have operating expenses, and owner's draw, payroll or a combination of both, depending on the legal entity and how you pay yourself. So every two weeks, typically on the 10th and the 25th, it can also be done um, a certain day of the week, every other Friday or even every Friday. Uh, for some clients, we implement Profit First initially with once a week transfers just to get over that hump and making sure that there's enough money in all the accounts. So on whatever day you've pre-selected, you're going to take the amount in the income account and then split that between the four other accounts. So if there's uh, $1,000 in that account, you would send a certain percentage to profit with your pre-allocated uh, allocations, then you would send a, a, a dollar amount to taxes, to operating expenses, and to, to payroll as well. So you're doing that without consideration. You're not looking at your list of bills and saying, I need $500 uh, in my operating expenses to pay whatever's coming up next week. You're just transferring based on the percentages, and that makes sure that you're paying, you're, you're transferring funds to the profit account first. 
So one of the issues that I see come up often and one of the big mistakes in implementing Profit First is that sometimes it's done without enough money in the accounts upfront. So setting yourself up for success is really key here. And if there's not enough money in that operating expenses account uh, to pay the expenses coming up, then you're kind of set up for failure. And I don't want that for you. So what I mean by that is if you're doing, uh, if you're setting it up at the end of the month and you know you have a rent payment on the first of the month, you got to make sure that there's enough money to pay rent from that account or else you're automatically going to fail and have to transfer money back from other accounts. So that's why sometimes we do a weekly implementation for the first 30 or 60 days just to get enough money in those accounts. But ideally, if there was a little bit of a cushion, you would want to transfer that upfront so that you have enough money for those first two weeks already in the account. Now, to be realistic, that's not always how it works in Profit First, but that would be an ideal scenario. So in my accounting firm, we help lots and lots of practices implement Profit First. And we help with setting up, figuring out what the heck your percentages are supposed to be in the first place, but we also help you reach your goals, so help you get to your target allocations. And we also help with what we call Profit First Fatigue. Initially, it's really, really exciting, but there comes a point where it can get a little bit tedious and difficult to do do the calculations and do those transfers every uh, week or every two weeks. So we help with that as well. But we also help with the support piece and having someone there to encourage you and say, hey, remember, there's now $20,000 in your tax account. That's a really good thing and encourage you through that process and give you some positive affirmation through it. So if you're looking for help with setting up and implementing Profit First, we would love to help you. Head over to greenoakaccounting.com. That's my accounting firm. And schedule a free consultation with someone from my team. You can get some information on what it looks like to implement that with us. Um, and we'd love to help you as well. So thanks for listening today. If you want more information about Profit First, the books that Mike has mentioned, and the basic Profit First accounts, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com. Talk to you soon. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.